0: Welcome to Christ in Prophecy! Nathan and I are glad you could join us today for this episode of Jesus in the Old Testament.
1: Last week we looked for Jesus in the writings of Jeremiah, the so-called prophet of doom. I don't know about you Tim, but uh, I am glad that we are not called to proclaim a message so filled with despair that people call our ministry doomsayers, or that we are prophets of doom. I agree of
0: course, but there are some who do dismiss the message we share as too foreboding, or gloomy. Some people don't want to hear that the wrath of God abides on them if they reject the salvation offered by Jesus Christ. And stating plainly that unimaginable horror will descend upon the world during the Tribulation does not endear us to people who choose that fate
1: either. That's true. But thankfully we point to Jesus Christ, our blessed hope. He's going to be the light that drives away all our darkness. Now, we've left the period of the kings of Israel and Judah from roughly 1,000 to 600 B.C., The error was a sad commentary on the decline of a nation that originally had pledged itself in a covenant relationship to Almighty God. Jeremiah's book of laments captures his heartbreak at witnessing the ravishing of
0: Jerusalem and the people who refused to repent of their faithlessness and wickedness. Written shortly after the fall of the city in 586 B.C., it is the saddest book in the Bible. It contains horrors almost too graphic to read, but even as he expresses the bitterness crushing his heart. Jeremiah clings to the mercy of God, expressing hope in the midst of despair. On that note, our guest today is a living testimony of hope. Refusing to wallow in despair, she overcame unexpected adversity and serves as an exemplar of faithfulness. Johnny Erickson Tata's life changed in an instant when she dove into Chesapeake Bay and broke her neck. At the tender age of 17, she became quadriplegic. But to cite Jeremiah 29, 11, God had a plan for her to give her a future and a hope. Johnny, you've been a heroine to my wife Amy and I for many years since we were young teens, and I'm so delighted you could be here with us today.
2: Oh, Tim and Nathan, what a joy to be with you both. And of course, to all our viewers today, so honored to be on the platform with you.
0: Well, ma'am, it is really our honor and a blessing for all of us, including our viewers. I want to observe that when you are confronted with a calamity, it's not unlike all of us who at some point or another will experience at least a minor calamity, and it is only human nature to sometimes dwell on our pain and our loss. And, And without dredging up too many painful memories, tell us and tell our viewers how your accident affected you initially, both spiritually and psychologically.
2: Well, as you can imagine, I was utterly devastated, 17 years old, athletic, on the go, ready to head to college. And I had asked the Lord Jesus right before I went to college orientation, if he would please do something in my life to bring me closer to him. I knew that college would have its temptations. And so I wanted a closer walk with Jesus. Now I prayed that prayer right before high school graduation, and not but two weeks after my graduation from high school. I took a reckless dive thoughtlessly into shallow water. My head hit the bottom of a sandbar. It crunched my neck back, smashing my vertebrae and severing my spinal cord. And Nathan and Tim, I cannot begin to tell you the despair I felt, especially I had just asked God, To give me a closer walk with jesus and i remember being in the hospital bed thinking lord jesus if this is your idea of an answer to prayer to be drawn closer to you i'm never going to trust you with another one of my prayers again i was devastated and i plummeted into depression but thank the lord there were christian friends who were praying real quickly friends when people ask me johnny What should I say, what should I do uh, for this person who just suffered a catastrophic injury or illness? My first response is prayer, because we wrestle not against the flesh and blood of spinal cord injury or other disabilities. No, we wrestle against powers and principalities that would love nothing more than to keep us steeped in depression. So I thank God for Christian friends who were praying for me back then.
1: Oh, Thank praise you. the Lord. Uh, most people might not know, at least now, the younger generations, there's, there's a whole movie dedicated about your life and the experience if they want to know more about your testimony. But I've always wondered, obviously it could be a very despairing situation where you don't have access to your body anymore. Was there a particular Bible verse? Uh, uh, did you hear the still small voice of the Lord? What kind of helped you keep going and help you be an overcomer? Because you clearly are an overcomer.
2: Well, in my depression, there was one Christian friend who pulled up a chair by my hospital bedside, and he said, Johnny, I know you want to get out of your despair. Let me give you a Bible verse that can be your anchor. Start here. And then he quoted to me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I remember saying to my friend, what? No way, I'm not gonna do that. I I don't feel thankful. I'd be a hypocrite if I did that. And he wisely said, Johnny, let's read the verse together. It doesn't say in everything, feel thankful. It says in everything, give thanks. There's a really big difference between um, trusting God and having trustful feelings. So push your emotions aside, push away the box of Kleenex, and just take a deep breath, a step of faith, and start giving thanks. And so I did that, Nathan. I just started um, mouthing thankfulness. I, I I really wasn't thankful, but I wanted to be obedient. And so I started thanking God that my hospital bed was near the window, at least. I thank God that my family was supportive. I thank God that people were coming to visit me. I thank God that after what, so many months, I was finally able to sit up in a wheelchair. I thank God for. The breakfast that they would serve on my side of the hospital hallway first, because that meant it was warm. All kinds of things I started giving thanks for. And those small obediences, those drastic obediences of giving thanks really exercised my muscle of faith. And over time, I began to feel thankful. I believe it was God's reward for my faithfulness in his word, you know, relying on his word. He gave me the emotion of thankfulness. So I would point to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 as the one that really kick-started me on the path of righteousness and back to God.
0: Well, Johnny, so many people will see your physical limitations, and they are obvious and apparent. But you have, as Nathan said, been an overcomer. It, many people in our society today carry deep emotional and spiritual scars. How can we be sensitive to the hurt and suffering that is happening in lives all around us, and yet point people to the kind of faith that you're exhibiting?
2: Well, I think, again, as I said at the onset, pray for these people. And don't pray sporadically. Pray committedly, uh, diligently, and specifically. Come alongside them. I mean, I had friends who were faithful in visiting me on a regular basis. And they not only brought their Bibles, they brought their guitars, They brought pizza. Uh, When I got a weekend pass, they took me to a local mall. They did things with me. They just, they embodied the gospel of Jesus. They didn't just preach at me. They loved me. And of course, love is is a verb. It does things. And their their expressions of love uh, got me back into the mainstream of life. But also, I think it's important to be realistic. I mean, gentlemen, I've been 55 years in this wheelchair. Uh, This July, it'll be 55 years, and I live daily with chronic pain. I don't sleep very well because I am often awakened by pain. And there are mornings, actually, on most mornings, I wake up and I, before my eyes are even opened, I'm saying, oh God, I cannot do this one more day. I'm so tired of this pain, I don't have the endurance. I can't do quadriplegia anymore. But Jesus, I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. Lord Jesus, I am empty. I am cavernous. I need your filling. I can't do one hour without you, God help me. And you know what, it's, it's the way God loves to pour out his grace on people. He resists the proud. That is, he resists those who hit the alarm, jump out of bed, throw back the covers, take a shower, scarf down breakfast, and race out the front door on automatic cruise control without hardly giving God the tip of a hat of a quiet time. He resists those people, but he gives grace to the humble. And the humble are simply people who wake up in the morning realizing their desperate need of Jesus. And uh, it's, how I, it's how I've lived for the past 55 years in this wheelchair, which makes my smile pretty authentic and not made of Colgate, for sure.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, let me tell you how much of an inspiration you've been to me. My father used to take me to book trade shows in Nashville, and I remember looking up to you and watching you paint. I can't even draw a stick figure, and you're painting with your mouth. shows how young I am, because I'm looking up at you in a wheelchair. And then years later, when my youngest son was uh, diagnosed with autism, I ran into you at a a convention and you stopped everything and gave me information about Johnny and Friends and we've been supporters of your ministry for 15 years or so now, sorry. And so I just want to tell you that, that your overcoming has been an inspiration to so many people, especially my wife, Heather, and me.
2: Oh, Nathan, thank you. And since you mentioned my drawing with my mouth, I'm going to ask my friend to hold this up in front of the camera. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. There you go. I drew that. Okay. I drew that when my occupational therapist encouraged me in occupational therapy to to, um, just draw something that expressed my feelings. And so I drew that face. And it's a face of, oh, God, I got to do this. This is the way I'm to live my life. But I think it's not only my portrait, it's everybody's portrait. Um, At times we all say, God, I can't do this. This is my life. How am I going to manage? And so that particular charcoal drawing you just just saw, I sneaked it in front of the camera, um, pretty much expresses where I was at the time of my injury. And oh, the difference the Lord Jesus has made. And it's why that particular charcoal drawing is one of my favorites. It reminds me. Where I have come from, and the power of the grace of God to change things.
0: Wow! You you remind me of what happened when Jesus spoke at the synagogue in Nazareth. He proclaimed a messianic passage that was fulfilled in the hearing of the people sitting there today. And that rest, but the rest of Isaiah's prophecy that he did not read pointed to a time when the Messiah would indeed fulfill the rest of the portion, which says that the Messiah would bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And that is so evident in your life. And yet as we look into Lamentations, this book of lament and despair, the prophet as well has a moment when he glimpses the hope that exists even in the midst of despair. So, in those kind of times of trial and despair, what can Lamentations and Jeremiah the prophet teach us today?
2: Well, I tell you, Jeremiah, and we all know that verse from, what, Jeremiah 29, verse 11? Yes. Uh, We all probably have it embroidered and (laughs) and put it on a plaque on our walls. Um, For the Lord knows the plans he has for us to give us hope and a future. And yet Jeremiah wrote that as the uh, people of God were being dragged off into slavery uh, to spend the next 70 years in abject subjection. Uh, to rulers and, and, and domineering tyrants, and it was not an easy time for them, but you mentioned Lamentations, which of course is also written by Jeremiah, and I love Lamentations chapter 3 uh, verses 21 to 26. It, it, this is so hopeful. He says, but this I call to mind, okay? Whenever you're suffering, whenever you're hurting, Lamentations 321, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope The Lord's great love will keep me from being consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, okay? Right there. Great is God's faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. Call to mind the goodness of the Lord Jesus, and that he is especially good to those who hope in him to the one who seeks Him every single morning. Hmm.
1: That's amazing. Beautifully said. It reminds me of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah just saw Judah destroyed by the Babylonians, the people taken away, and he's lamenting. And it, this is God's tough love. For hundreds and hundreds of years of rebellion against Him and breaking their covenant, God shows them tough love. But in the midst of that, Jeremiah offers hope that the Lord's giving. It It's a kind of a dichotomy, is it? We've got tough love, tough but hope. we have also God showing tough hope. How can we have that tough hope?
2: I love the way you put that, Nathan, tough hope, uh, because I think that hope is best described also in Lamentations chapter three, verses 32 to 33. These are the anchors for my life, okay? These two verses change, change my life. It says, though he, that is God, though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love for, now get this, he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone so right there in that one little bible verse lamentations chapter 3 verse 33 that really reflects the heart of god yes though he allows grief and, and affliction to touch us he doesn't do it willingly that is he doesn't do it from its heart he doesn't quote he did not want my diving accident to occur in the sense that he enjoyed it or got a big kick out of it or oh boy this girl's going to break her neck now let's see what i can do with that you <laughs> know no no, no. He, Suffering and affliction when it comes to us by his overarching will and foreordained plan, suffering is something that really he takes no delight in. And in that one little Bible verse, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 33, I think it reflects the heart of God like nowhere else in the Bible. Because think of it, the book of Lamentations, get this, is divided into five chapters, and the first two chapters are each comprised of 22 verses. And the last two chapters also have 22 verses in them. However, the middle of the book is chapter three. It comprises 66 verses. Now here's the intriguing part. The exact middle of that chapter is verse 33. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Wow, I mean, that Bible verse falls in the exact middle of the entire book of Lamentations. It's right at the apex. Of the entire book. And I think there's a good reason why. Because when it comes to suffering, whether it was the suffering that the prophet Jeremiah was speaking of to God's people or the suffering that God might allow in our viewers' lives, God wants us to know that He's got the heart of a father. Uh. We may not understand His ways, but He definitely wants you to understand that He's got the heart of a kind and compassionate Abba father daddy. And it doesn't make Him happy to see a hit with hardship. But, oh, my goodness, it does make him happy when he sees all the things he can do in your life in it and how he will encourage others through it, if you would but trust in him and believe that his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness.
1: Certainly. Excellent. Well, Johnny, when your life changed when you were just 17. Uh, Tim and I both have a heart for the youth today. They seem to be losing hope. Uh, the Student Life con- Conference that you did once, uh, you said this, God has not redeemed us to make us happy and healthy. He's redeemed us to make us like Jesus. How would you then encourage the youth to be grounded in the blessed hope?
2: Well, I would say to young people today, You can believe in God, you can say you believe in God, you can say that you follow Jesus. But when suffering hits you hard next time, watch how you respond to it. Because suffering will reveal the essence of everything you believe about the God of the Bible. And make no mistake, when we sign up in the army of Jesus Christ, there's no small print in the contract. (laughs) We are going to go through sufferings, the road to Calvary. Uh, to the cross of Jesus Christ, where we lay down our sin and where every day we experience something of the death of Jesus, so that we might also know the power of the life of Jesus in these bodies of ours. That's a, a quote from what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. The Christian life is hard, very hard. So don't be disappointed by those afflictions. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says you're going to be hard-pressed on every side. But, it says, it will not crush you. Oh, friends, I think about that Bible verse almost every night when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in pain. I say to my pain, you're hard pressing me on all sides. But the Bible says, my loving father says, you're not going to crush me. You are not going to crush me. And so I'm going to believe my Jesus, my feelings think that he is giving me way too much more than I can handle, but I'm not going to believe my feelings. I'm going to believe Jesus and his word. And though I am hard-pressed on all sides right now at 4 a.m. with this pain, I know for sure it's not going to crush me because I've got Christ who is with me. He's Emmanuel with me in my suffering. Oh, that young people today would grasp that and understand it. They'd make giant leaps forward in their walk with Christ.
0: We're trying through this series, Jesus and the Old Testament, to emphasize the power of the entirety of God's Word. The Old Testament grounding us in our faith and pointing to our coming Messiah, both in His first advent and His glorious second coming. You actually wrote the foreword to the New Living Translation or Translation's One Year Pray for Life Bible, and your words touched my heart. This is what you said regarding the Eternal Word. You said, Your hand will fuse with the sword of the Spirit, you will become one with the Word, and it will be your mark of value valor and distinction. Others may cower as the culture of death moves through the earth like a dark poisonous cloud. Others may retreat from the front lines. Some may collapse in fear before the enemy, overcome by anxiety and overwhelmed by battle fatigue. There's the pain you referred to even. But you will stand firm on the front lines, holding fast to Scripture and winning victories for the cause of life and for our King. And I can just say, wow, Johnny, you would make a great battlefield general right there.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you where I got the inspiration for those comments. I got them from Eleazar. He was one of David's mighty men. You can read about Eleazar in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and verse 10 describes it, okay? Here's what happened on the battlefield the army of Israel was up against the Philistines and they were way overwhelmed. In fact, they retreated. They hightailed it out of there. But listen to this. But Eliezer stood his ground and he struck down the Philistines until his hand was so tired that it literally froze to his sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Oh, friend, There might be others who run from the front lines of suffering, but I want to stand my ground and I want my hands, although they be paralyzed, to hold fast to the sword. That is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. I've shared many passages and verses from the Bible, which are anchors. They are all for me, part of my weaponry against discouragement, depression, complaining, doubt and disbelief. So I would encourage our friends, all these Bible passages that we have talked about, and I know that you are in a series about lamentations. Good on you, gentlemen. Get to know those Bible verses and make them the anchors for when you feel hard-pressed on all sides. Get your hand frozen to the sword of the Spirit, just like Eliezer.
1: We talk a lot here, of course, about the rapture of the church. Uh, There's negative signs of the end times, but there's also positive signs as well. What signs do you see in society that we're getting close to the return of Jesus Christ?
2: Well, I I do think that, uh, let's see, well, okay. With the advent of Jesus Christ, um, that ushered in the, quote, the end of the age. And we are living in those last days for the past 2000 years, we have been in the last days. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, um, shares a couple of signs of the times that I'm really seeing. First Matthew 24, verse 12 says, there'll be an increase in wickedness. Did you know that the 20th century, which was just what, 20 some odd years ago, was the bloodiest century in recorded history? With World War One the programs of of stalin nazi holocausts wars world war ii um, the world never saw anything quite as vicious as the 20th century and so here we are in the in the 21st century and i think we're seeing an increase in wickedness and it also says in matthew 24 that the love of most will grow cold i challenge i charge our viewers Do not let your love for the Lord Jesus grow cold. And the way you can keep it from growing cold is to make certain that everything you believe is put into practice, not just for yourself, but for the advancement of Christ's gospel among your neighbors, coworkers, college students, friends, associates. Tomorrow morning, get dressed, take a shower, go out the front door and find somebody who needs help, gospel help. And administer it through your prayers and through your hands-on practice of Christianity with its sleeves rolled up for the saving of many lives, just like our good friend Joseph of the Old Testament.
0: Well, Johnny, on that note, how can our viewers connect with you and be partnered with you and become one of Johnny's friends?
2: Well, our ministry is all about giving this gospel I've just described to people with disabilities all around the world. In fact, even as I speak, we are working with our in-country partners in Ukraine to get uh, people with disabilities out of that country and into safe havens in Germany, Poland, Romania. So if people wanna be a part of this valiant effort to give the gospel to people with disabilities around the world, they can connect with us at johnnyandfriends.org. That's J-O-N-I-A-N-D-F-R-I-N-D-S.org and uh, click on our videos, see what we're doing, come volunteer at any one of our family retreats. We always need people to help, or you can pray for our work. Of course, people need to pray because if people don't pray, nothing of any eternal good is going to happen. We need people praying. And of course, we always welcome financial supporters. So uh, people can learn all about who we are and what we do at johnnyandfriends.org.
0: Well, Johnny, it has been a true blessing for both of us and for our entire staff, all of our viewers, for you to join us today. We do pray God's continued blessing on you, on Johnny and friends, and on all the lives you impact around the world.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Tim. And Nathan, God bless you. I know you have a special needs son. And and so having this platform with you gentlemen today has meant the world.
0: Thank you, ma'am. Godspeed. When we were preparing for this program, we knew that exploring a book called Lamentations could be heavy. With so many people suffering and anxious about so many things, it is not our intention to accentuate sadness. But Johnny Erickson Tata demonstrates that joy is not what we experience in this life, or in the circumstances we endure. It
1: is what fills our hearts to overflowing when we are in the center of God's will. Our key verses reflect the span of human emotion that Jeremiah's lament captured so wonderfully. In 2.11 he describes the heartbreak of witnessing the destruction of Jerusalem as God's judgment fell on His rebellious people. We share that heartbreak as we recognize that God's wrath will soon be kindled against our nation and every person who is rebelling against Him today. But our second
0: key verse testifies to Jeremiah's unshakable faith, because he knew the Lord, and trusted in His faithfulness, His hope in the Lord's loving-kindness and compassion never
1: wavered. Jeremiah resigned himself to wait upon the Lord silently, anticipating the salvation He has promised. We too are waiting patiently, anticipating the arrival of our great God and Savior.
0: Johnny is an exemplar of hope. Her joy in the Lord is infectious, inspiring everyone who comes in contact with her, no matter the circumstances you are
1: enduring. AND NO MATTER THE CHALLENGES YOU FACE, IF THE LORD IS YOUR PORTION, YOUR HOPE IN HIM IS ASSURED. UNTIL NEXT WEEK, I'M NATHAN JONES.
0: AND I'M TIM MOORE SAYING, LOOK UP AND BE WATCHFUL. FOR OUR FAITHFUL AND COMPASSIONATE GOD, OUR BLESSED HOPE IS DRAWING NEAR.